the first thing that I would suggest is actually authenticity. This is a step that doesn't necessarily involve other people. Um, most of us, we don't realize how isolated we are because we're in a character. What we don't realize is that the process of socialization, which all of us went through at a certain point in our childhood, made it so that we believed that certain traits inside us were acceptable and certain traits weren't. So as a result of that, we, we tailor ourselves to whatever character we feel like will get us received the most. And this is where our trouble begins. We're essentially in, in social experiences, we're pretending to be a certain way so that we'll get a certain reaction. And to do that, we're keeping a whole giant section of ourselves behind closed doors. And that would be kind of like an actor who's constantly in character, trying to feel a relationship. It's not gonna happen. So the way that I like to describe this is imagine you had a mask on and somebody kisses the mask. You can't feel their lips. And the same thing happens on an emotional level when we're in this character. We're keeping a part of ourselves which really needs to be touched emotionally away from the other person and so it can never be accessed. And so it's a really scary step, but really putting who you are out on the center of the table is the most important thing to do. Of course, we, we got to sort of seek within ourselves for what it is that we are versus what we portray. And it's real hard for people to admit to that, you know. Most, in my intentional community, when people first move in here, it's like I kind of got to corner them. Is that really what you think? Is that really what you're feeling right now? For them to be like, no, okay, and then put the truth forward. But what's really awesome about doing that is that most of us, we would rather almost isolate than be in a group of people because when we're inauthentic, it's that tension of constantly paying pretend. And that tension is gone once we do that. So it's like the more authentic you can be around people, the more tolerable it is to be around them all the time because you're not going to be any different when they're there versus when they're not. And you know, it's something that I wish all people could experience is that, that degree of freedom. I took a long walk in the jungle. I followed the river and leaving the village and the people far behind me. Later that day around sunset, I was getting ready to turn around and walk back to camp when a very impressive tree made me stop. The fallen tree was so tall that it went from one side of the river to the other. Its diagonal figure cut the horizon. Its top never touched the ground, clinging to the tops of trees on the opposite side of the river. From where I was, it looked like a pathway to heaven. The perfect path for a jaguar to climb from the river's shore to the top of the tree line. I said out loud, surrounded only by birds. Now that the sun was shining in the horizon as it began to set, I had to stop and ask myself if I should continue going forward towards the impressive fallen tree or start going back to camp. A strong impulse from within made me continue walking forward and my body must have known what was about to happen because my heartbeat suddenly got faster. When I arrived at the other side of the river, at the place of the fallen tree, a black jaguar was standing there, very still. Between us was only a stream about 30 feet wide, with very shallow water running slowly over pebbles. At sunset, the jungle is at the peak of her beauty. The green gets darker and deep caves made of leaves begin to appear everywhere, housing the mysteries that are about to come. Whatever can still shine does so with much enthusiasm, reflecting the last sun rays. The water vibrating in the river and the black fur of the jaguar were the lights of the moment. Usually at this hour, birds sing louder to exchange words with all the creatures that wake up at night. 
making the most fascinating sounds. But this evening was different. The black jaguar was facing a man. Growing up in Peru, many times I heard the stories of the Yana Puma or the Yanao Torongo, the black puma or the black jaguar. These stories were always fantastic and spooky, made up by people who found the bones of those attacked by the wild cat. Of course, there weren't that many stories told by people who actually saw a black jaguar in the jungle. Knowing this, I felt immediately at peace, ready to accept that my time to leave this world had most probably arrived. Even when the jaguar moved away from me and disappeared into the brush, I kept making myself ready. I still had at least an hour's walk back to camp and it was getting dark. Jaguars are excellent hunters. If she wanted me, she was going to get me, most probably from behind and when I least expected it. Walking slowly alert and stopping often to check my surroundings, I headed for the camp. Despite the danger facing me, I was surprised to stay so calm. The presence of the jaguar had ignited my deepest senses and made me feel more alive than ever. In my prayer, I was clear. Please don't take me today. I want to live for my daughters and to continue doing my work. When I finally arrived to the safety of the camp, I turned towards the dark jungle and gave thanks for my life, putting some tobacco in the river as an offering of immense gratitude to the powerful spirit of the black jaguar. A few years before encountering the black jaguar face to face, she came to visit me in my dreams. I found myself cornered in my bedroom when she came to the, in the middle of the night. Full of fear, I tried to wake up from the dream, but couldn't. The dream ended only after seeing my own body covered with a layer of fur, and the skin under the fur was very sick. A day after having this dream, an excruciating pain in my neck literally paralyzed me and kept me in bed for two weeks. I spent long nights awake trying to avoid moving my head, as doing this caused a pain that felt like lightning bolts striking inside my body. My time to change had arrived. Looking at the dark ceiling of my bedroom for endless hours, I could clearly recognize old unhealthy patterns that I carried in my mind and behavior that now had to die one way or another. I had been too slow at making the necessary changes in myself, procrastinating, making excuses, thinking that tomorrow I would have more time than today to give attention to my wounds, my resentments, my ego, my fears, and all the bad habits that came from them. Although my neck pain got better, things in my life didn't. Soon after, I lost my house, I lost my car, and I lost the woman I loved. The life, my life, became so simple after losing so much that I felt immensely relieved. The sacred black light of the West, present in my dream in the shape of a black jaguar, showed up to help me finish what I could not finish myself. I became free and was able to put my energy entirely into my spiritual commitment at a time when much work is demanded from those who are still hopeful for the healing and change of this world. So that was a reading from the book The Time of the Black Jaguar by Kamal Shwala, which you will hear more about as this episode progresses. The next short little clip, which is just a couple minutes, is from a workshop with a woman named Teal Swan, who I use heavily in this podcast to help um, process myself and different ways of understanding life and this particular clip here I chose for myself because the, the person that she's talking to has lots of my same attributes. The block. You're dealing with it right now. That's pain. 
tearing up and like, I'm watching you suppress with your jaw. <laughs> okay, well, it's painful to really feel like you want something and to have it be just unattainable. It's frustrating. That's painful, yes. <laughs> this is gonna be a block, by the way, for a lot of you, this, this like, inability to be really vulnerable. I'm such a vulnerable person. No, I am. Nope. Oh my god. I'm on a stage right now, so it's a little hard to be vulnerable. I know. Dude, some Lady people hide on stage. You're an example to us all. Some but... people hide on stage. Okay. No. Okay. You are not a vulnerable person. I'm what? You're not a vulnerable person. So vulnerable. No way in hell. I really am. I swear. Ask anybody who knows me. <laughs> Ask my higher self. <laughs> As if I haven't already. <laughs> okay, that's true. So you've got the same game I have. You don't want to know what I know. I do. Authenticity becomes a facade. All of your blood flow has gone into your vital organs and prioritized that. Which means we are now past fight or flight mode and into freeze. Mm -hmm. Which means you're freaking panicked. Oh. Yeah. Thank you. No, so, so like from here up, you're like, oh, this is okay, this is fine. From here down, you are flipping out. <laughs> so that is like a lack of vulnerability when you're not even letting yourself realize how threatening this is. And your body's trying to tell you, it's like, look, I'm freezing. That means you missed about eight steps. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. They fled by, I didn't see them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that is the problem right now. There's like a huge lack of authenticity in your life. Because you're not letting yourself recognize these aspects of you. They're all trying to vie for your attention. And you're giving a persona to the world as a result of that behavior that is never going to get you help from anyone. Okay. You've got too much grit. <laughs> That's what the grocer lady said to me once. <laughs> she called me gritty. <laughs> I took it as a compliment. fabulous trait, but what you came here and sat down with is the issue that you feel completely alone in your endeavors. So, yeah, I think it's probably a good issue to face. Um, if you want to get into a space of more softness in your life, you just literally walk through your day according to the question, softer or harder. So that becomes your mantra, basically. You literally live your life according to that question. And you will, you will come to the crossroads, basically, where you have to ask yourself, ooh, I can feel that, I can feel myself hardening. It'll get to this point with this practice, by the way, where you can literally feel your body harden. And you'll start to be able to feel whether the thoughts you're thinking are soft or hard, whether the emotions that are coming up are soft or hard, whether your approach towards them is soft or hard. So it'll get to the point where you're faced with someone like me, and you'll feel that hardness come on, and you'll say, oh, I'm going into hardness. What would be softer? And that's the 
moment that you can admit for the first time. Wow, that really hurt. That like really hurt. And not like I'm saying that it hurt to get the upper hand. <laughs> okay. You play a good chess match mentally. You do. That's all. I don't think that's a compliment, though. Oh, it's a compliment because if you use it to your advantage, you'll be really good at dealing with people. And it will be very good for your business, I can tell you that. A business person, like, essentially you're shaping yourself up to be, must be good at mental chess. It's just that you don't want the chess game to own you. I don't see myself as a business person. But you're going to start a huge business. Well, I just had the idea. But yeah, I see what you're saying, but I like, and I, I get that, but I don't see myself like acting in the world in a mental chess game all the time. I just feel, but it's something I will definitely think about because, and I will work towards softer. I mean, I already have a little note in my car that says, what would someone who loved themselves well, do? Oh good, this is just the next evolution. Yeah. Oh, Hi everyone. Welcome to the time of the Black Jaguar. The name is taken from this book called, that I have in my hands at this very moment that's called The Time of the Black Jaguar, An Offering of Indigenous Wisdom for the Continuity of Life on Earth by Arkham Lishwala. And it's an excellent book, but as we all know, simply reading books does not um, solve our problems or the problems of the world, but I do highly recommend this book nonetheless if it's, if it's that time for you to read it. And it's a very special book, in my opinion, because it talks about the importance of the heart in a way that's incredibly rooted in a lot of past traditions. And this, the man who wrote it is Peruvian, but he's also lived with the Lakota Native Americans. But he writes it very much for the modern audience. And I think that it's just a brilliant book. I don't have to say too much more because you can check it out online. But I'm going to read this subsection of one of my favorite chapters, which is called Good Thoughts Are Born in the Heart. And the subsection is called A Heartless Path. Nowadays, I see millions of people around the world allowing others to govern their thoughts. So many people are used to empowering intermediaries that give them a filtered truth instead of using their own vision and feelings. When there is a need to know the truth, education and information born from external sources play a much stronger role than vision and feeling born within, from within. Most modern forms of education and information nourish the head's intelligence and in a masculine way only. The heart is not touched. As a result, for a long time, it has been acceptable for most of humanity to have the head lead the way, governing the heart. This is the same as allowing a soldier to command a general or a computer to command the one who is using it. There is so much access to information, it must be confusing to have so much information available. As a result, it is easy to lose connection with the simple truth. There is so much high-speed technology, so many scientific discoveries, and yet the highly educated modern man has as his most powerful achievement putting the entire planet at risk of extinction. Considering that this 
is the planet that our children will inherit, this quote-unquote high intelligence looks more like total foolishness to me. Something is clearly missing in the minds of people of the modern society. Our elders say that good thoughts begin in the heart. Nowadays, we see too much knowledge without wisdom, too much intelligence without heart. In the world ruled by the conquerors with their great enterprises, there's no way for listening to the commands of the heart or to follow the mysterious motion of the feminine principle. Everything has to be controlled, quantified, and calculated from the head so that results are achieved and there are no undesirable surprises. Feminine intelligence has become less important and the voice of the feminine is not being heard. He says, I'm grateful for the many years I spent alongside Mrs. Adela, who is a woman and like a healer that he spent many, many, many years learning beside, who guided me on my spiritual path. Being close to her gave me a chance to learn to appreciate feminine intelligence and to recognize that walking the way of the heart was my true choice. Now that we live in an unpredictable time that is going to be full of surprises, the old masculine and controlling ways of thinking are going to prove to be too slow. Catching the wave of change requires the awakening of a much more open mind, the mind that dwells in the heart. How can we do this? Where is the greatest opportunity for the development of a flexible mind full of the capacities that feminine intelligence offers? So this book goes deeply into those kind of topics and describes them beautifully. But my personal story that I just want to present here in a very brief way is that I feel like I had a couple really sort of realization points in my adult life where I understood deeply the, the, hum, the humongous extent of feminine intelligence and how much it's absent in the average person's life. And I've also dipped to a place of, I realize that it's, I don't think it's just me whatsoever, but a really clear way to define my, my strategy of sort of avoiding life or not living out of the heart or not living authentically or not living strongly is a sense of you pop out of your inner child self, you pop out of your heart space self into your mind and your intellectualizations and the the world becomes sort of heavy and grave and highly intellectualized and that of course can turn into lots of anxieties which is of course just fear and all of that is almost the exact opposite of the state of being that represents being in the heart and being connected to your own power of will and being created um, connected to your creative energy so when your mind is in fear for a long time, it literally disintegrates from the stress. And I've gone through a long period of truly like just a mind completely warring itself with that with itself with all the old patterns that I have and all the patterns that are perpetuated by the people around me. And I know that the destination in a way as a personal journey and as a collective journey is extremely simple. It's that of an open heart. And my when your when your heart isn't open, you actually don't think clearly. And I'm sure a huge amount of what I share is gonna be literally 
chaotic because that is the state of my brain. I'm trying to see it for what it is and really work with it. But the main thing is that even the mind of me that's talking now in this head way is disembodied from like the, the childhood open-hearted self would probably not even be having this kind of deliberation. So <laughs> it's, it's really a fundamental different feeling to live in the heart. And I'm never going to give up on finding that in the fullest way possible. Because what I realized is sort of like the root of all, well, sounds dramatic, but root of all suffering and sort of hell on earth is a sense of isolation that you can call by many names. You can call it obsessive self-focus. You can call it narcissism. You can call it ignorance. You can call it trauma. You can call it 10 million words. But in essence, I think it can be described as a state of being where you're desperately focused on yourself in an insulated way rather than feeling yourself to be a part of a team of all humans and all sort of all life on earth where you're, you're working together rather than um, fighting on your own. And we can have those kind of words all day long about how we have to come together and about how we have to support each other. But I'm talking about the true experience of life where you, it, instead of feeling any sense of like, I'm in defense against other people, you're truly on the same team with them. And that is the ultimate goal, really. Like that is, and that can be found in any moment. Like so many tricks of our mind keep telling us like, oh, there's this big thing to solve. There's all these things to heal with myself. There's all this resolution to be had, which all of that has its place. But the real truth is that a state of finding yourself to truly be an interconnected part of the, of the world is it's always true, no matter what's going on inside of your internal experience. And whenever you feel that, whenever I feel that sense of I truly am alone here, that's a huge sense that I'm not connected to my heart because it's literally like your heart and your heartbeat can sync you with everything in the world when you're truly, truly with it. And sometimes I think we mistake even that idea with, oh, I want to have this soaring feeling of interconnection, love or brightness, and that represents the interconnectivity. It's not that. I would say the simplest description of what being in the heart really feels like is you are fully with yourself like you're truly actually present and um you have a sense of reality you have a true like grounding in reality and when you get really fine-tuned in this place or really present you also come to the you also come to the realization of how Things are perfect as they are, which once again, just saying one sentence like that sounds like a um, dramatic or, or even oversimplified kind of thing to say. But the truth is almost all the problems that you're fighting against in your life are will like disappear when you realize them, the true, the true nature of your heart and what your life can be. And...
So all I'm all I'm saying is that I just want to track myself from this state of aloneness and true dislocation of self, like just this feeling like, oh my God, I live in my mind and not in my heart. And it's causing so much suffering and taking away the purpose of life. That, and I really, I'm such a like purest kind of person. Like I want to feel that fully alive experience of life and to learn how to experience that or whatever your version of that feels like without being in judgment of oh these people are blind in this way these people are unevolved in this way these people have false beliefs in this way um to really stand up for your truth even as it might contradict anyone you know but still at the same time be in this state of being where you truly have love and respect for other people is crucial and I mean crucial is like a serious word and everything I say is in this serious voice and I'm I just want to learn about how to return to that to that childhood self and it's not an intellectual process the way that my words now might suggest or that many other people's words might suggest it's more of a um it's a remembering of who we really are which isn't these which isn't quite the way that we can conceptualize ourselves to be most of the time so the head will always be confused and the heart will not and so i'm not going to try to say something that makes sense. I'm going to let let this unfold. I'm going to let it unfold until I figure out how to gather up all those separated streams of my consciousness back into a whole, a wonderfully sane, healthy whole. Now I'm going to read a subsection of the interview that I did with my friend Chloe. She's French, and right now the interview is only posted in French. It's about her business, Réalisme, which, where she coaches people and helps them find their soul's alignment and find their inner creative genius. And so she takes people who are not understanding how to make their life come from their own inner creativity and their own inner energy and help them understand what, what their natural creativity is and what sort of blocks of their ego are keeping them from it. So I'm going to read just, I have just a page translated into English right now that I feel like is a good introduction to it, and I'm going to translate the whole interview into English in not too long. So she says, Passion is linked to emotions. It's temporary, so it will end one day, be that in six months, one year. And it's not peaceful. When you're passionate, you're not at peace. There's something that is not peaceful. Anyway, that is how I've experienced passion. But in the soul, it's not about emotions, it's about vibration, it's about energy. And the energy of the soul is timeless. It doesn't vary with time. What resonates with you in the soul at 10 years old is the same thing that resonates with you at 20 or at 40. It doesn't change with time. What you are passionate about at 10 years old can be different than what you're passionate about at 30 years old. 
When you're in alignment with your soul, you are activated into your creative genius. In my opinion, there is some kind of genius in each of us. Creative genius is the capacity to invent something to resolve a very deep problem. So it really is to invent. An invention is not a copy. It is not a combination of other things. It is to create something new. Of course, we can be a little inspired. When we see a Picasso, maybe it was inspired, but we see that it's new. We understand that it's him, and it's not another painter. When one is really aligned with them, with oneself, she invents. And so, do we all have in us the capacity to create something like Picasso in our own domain, like J.K. Rowling? It's huge what she did to invent a whole universe. Maybe she took a little inspiration, but it's really so big what she created. Um, we're, and she's talking about J.K. Rowling's sort of example. We're not in a game of making combinations. Um, we're not just in, in the game of making combinations when we're inventing universe. As far as I see it, we all have everything in us like this to offer the world. And apparently now, I wrote this sort of messy, now there's too much similarity. There's not enough differentiation. There isn't enough invention. We're not yet completely in our genius. We haven't activated it. There's still a bridle on, you see? So she gets into many interesting things in this interview about breaking through that bridle and about how the nature of copying and combination is so contrary to invention and it's, it's a sign that you're not working from your creative genius. So I'm just gonna pause it there because that's more what, where I'm at now and we will continue along this road where we discover our own creative genius from the inside out. You're not supposed to find the love you never got from people. You're supposed to remember that you are the love that nobody else can be. I've spent a lot of time trying to understand the origin of my pain relative to relationships with other people and relative to my parents. So I'm going to give a quick homage to that here, but I don't want to focus on that too much longer. I want you to see what parenting is supposed to look like without this dynamic. In this type of a household, the parent understands that the child did not ask to be born. That's something that the parent decided. And what is being given to them by the universe is this precious gift, which is not actually theirs in the first place. It's the universe's gift, and they have been charged with the guardianship of this thing and the enabling of it to move in the direction of its own predetermined destiny. End of story. So this child is like a gift to unwrap, to see what it has in its essence in terms of purpose and desire and motive. This relationship is a partnership, not a dictatorship. The universe had trusted this parent with this incredible gift, knowing that the partnership between them will lead to the expansion and spiritual progression of both the parent and child. This child is meant to be seen by the parent as part of him or her. This love will naturally inspire the parent to demonstrate his or her love to the child through affection and gifts and quality time and acts of service and appreciation. When these demonstrations of love are done, they are not done to get anything back. They are done because it feels good to demonstrate love to something that you love. You do not need incentive. Doing something lovely for them feels like doing something lovely for yourself when you have taken something as part of yourself. 
and all beings, including children, naturally demonstrate love back when they feel reciprocal love, which a child always will. Both parent and child are free, and so they are free to love each other and demonstrate this love to each other. The child didn't have to do anything for the parent or be anything for the parent to feel this love. This is the kind of love you wanted from your parent, and this is the kind of loving relationship you still want, the kind with no invisible strings attached. Having a relationship with no invisible strings attached to you is very dependent upon becoming aware of those subconscious assumptions and expectations that you hold. For this reason, I ask you to watch my video that is titled, Priceless Relationship Advice, Expectations and Assumptions. The next thing you have to do is to become aware of these contracts that you are forging on a subconscious level with people before you actually expect them to sign it. When do you really want to be giving something with no idea of what you will get in return? Notice the betrayal and unfairness you feel in all of your relationships, especially when it arises. Betrayal, again, is the breaking of a presumptive contract. The question is, which contract? I want you to remember that in a business transaction, the reason it often takes so long to settle on an agreement is because the companies go back and forth until they agree upon that contract. I cannot tell you how fast a company would be brought to lawsuit if what they did is sneak in some kind of an agreement that the other party didn't agree to. So we can't expect our relationships to go any better than that on an emotional level if this is what we're doing. Now, I'm just going to tell you, conscious contracts in a relationship, something where it's like, I'll give you this and you give me this, it's still painful, but it's 10 times better. Like, if you're conscious that it's a transaction, then both parties are agreeing to it. However, what you really wanted wasn't that. What you really want is to be loved. What you really want is for somebody to give you something or to do these loving demonstrations out of the sheer enjoyment of doing that for you because they've taken you as part of themselves. Become aware of the discomfort of feeling subservient and in debt when someone does something nice for you. Feel the pressure of having to even the score to feel free. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a vow that you're not going to do anything for someone if you want something back unless you're going to be willing to express that expectation directly. This includes appreciation. I really want to focus on this because this is one of the most common and societally accepted transactions that we have. Our subconscious expectation is we're going to get appreciation back. I don't want you giving to anybody if even that is your expectation. Next, find a place in you that is able to love something so much that you can take it as part of yourself to the degree that you literally simply feel good when that thing feels good. Now I don't really care if to begin with this is a person, it may not be. This may be something like a plant or an animal. I want you to experience the sensation of really giving to something because it just makes you so happy to see them feel good. The next thing is you have to develop healthy boundaries and you have to give in alignment with those boundaries. In a healthy, non-transactional, unconditional loving relationship, there is always room for people's boundaries. And if there is a need conflict, the conversation is about the need conflict. It's not about you need to give in to me. 
For this reason, I ask you to watch my video titled Personal Boundaries versus Oneness, How to Develop Healthy Boundaries. It is better to acknowledge to somebody or to yourself, I don't want to give to this person at all, than it is to give something you don't want to give. It's better for you. It's better for the other person. So start to give people what your parents never gave you or what other people who are into this transactional dynamic never gave you. Now, I'm going to explain this something. Transactional-based relationships do not work for our self-esteem long-term. Why? Because what do you think that you're going to think of yourself if the only way that you can possibly get anything from someone else is to give them something? Worse than that, what do you think you're going to think of yourself if the only way to get what you need from somebody because they can't possibly love you enough to take your needs into consideration is to trap them into it? Now here's another thing. I want you to notice the ways that you are totally strings attached, not unconditional, in terms of your giving, with yourself. Do you give yourself a day of rest so you can be more productive and perform tomorrow? Do you nurture your body or give it what it needs with the expectation that it will never get sick or break down? Do you let yourself have fun with the expectation that you'll work to deserve it? Do you only feel appreciation for yourself when you give yourself an achievement? Begin to notice these subconscious contracts that you have with yourself. Notice how they mirror the transactions you had with your parents growing up and practice demonstrations of love towards yourself without any expectation of return from yourself. Unconditional demonstration of love. This is no strings attached. It's a type of love relationship where we give something without any idea of getting something back. We give it out of the pure desire to see somebody feel good in the receiving of it. Loving in this way is the act of extending yourself, vulnerabilities included, into uncharted emotional territory with the intent that regardless of the outcome, we want to benefit another person. When someone else's happiness is experienced as your happiness, you know you have found unconditional love. This unconditional, no-strings-attached love is the highest form of ecstasy that we can experience on this planet, and all beings on this planet deserve to experience this type of love. And let it start with you. I'm going to read an ex excerpt from the book The Time of the Black Jaguar by Arkan Lushwala. And in chapter 9, which is called The Time of the Black Jaguar, I'm going to start at the subheading Understanding the Nature of Our Time. Evidently, today we find ourselves living in the most intense time, the time of renewal. This is the time of purifying chaos in which lies are seen for what they are, and there is a collective craving for returning to the simplest truth. At this confusing time, old group and ethnic identities become debilitated, and millions of humans lack clarity about their future and their place in the world. The social pillars and belief systems of the conservative past are broken, and the new pillars are not yet built. There has been a great deal of learning during the struggles of the conservative time, but the time to harvest has not yet arrived. The collective state, which is similar to being in labor, contains pain, fear, and great hopes all mixed up. This time is the most difficult, and it also offers the most opportunities for those who seek their liberation from old mental prisons. This time is somehow dangerous for those who resist, because its energy is fierce and incontestable. 
It also has the potential to quickly bring back to light all those who move their will in favor of real changes. Now is when the big change happens, so that a new time of creation may arrive and find hearts that are clean and open to see and support the unfolding of a new world, still unknown. In times of renewal, it is the black jaguar who rules. At this time, it is common for many people to experience major losses in their lives. Some are brutally taken out of their comfort zone. Many see their own life not working anymore, feel afraid when seeing destruction happen in the rest of the world. It all means just one thing. It is time to change. The next subheading is what makes change possible. I am of the opinion that while talking about change is good, it does not create change. According to what I have seen, real change happens in three different ways. The first way is a gift from spirit, an enormous blessing that comes to us unexpectedly through a dream, some extraordinary encounter with a being, or an event that awakens our mind. I consider this kind of gift to be like a loan from spirit so that we have the necessary spiritual capital to start doing our own work. The second way is the way of the black jaguar, which comes and says enough and destroys the prisons where we feel safe and comfortable so we wake up. The third way is what in the Andes we call Mune, the will of the heart. This path of the heart's will makes us persevere in the development of new habits and constantly seek encounters with the sacred sources that support our awakening. In times of renewal like this one we are in now, we see that change happens for people from any of these three sources. However, given that we are running out of time, the prevalent way is the fastest, the one of the black jaguar. And, and even when I believe this to be true, I was instructed to keep choosing the path of my heart's will, to be waiting for blessings to come and change me, or for an attack of the black jaguar to come and kill me, my ego, and all my bad habits leaves me like a leaf at the mercy of the wind, and makes my life swing from blissfulness to pain, over and over again. But the swings are less frequent if I develop my own will. Instead of being at the mercy of the forces that come to wake me up, I prefer to choose to wake up and do my own work. Doing so will not stop the forces that bless or shake us, but I've experienced many times how different it is when these forces arrive and my will is in its place. Instead of feeling totally dependent on what they do to me, I have the opportunity to do my best to dance with them, to feel a partnership and collaboration with them. I feel this is similar to the difference between being a baby and being an adult. When we are babies, we totally depend on our parents to stay alive. When we are adults, we may still have our parents and receive their help and guidance, but in a very different way, because now we are responsible for the condition of our own lives. Now I'm going to read just a little more from the same book in the chapter Mune, the Will of the Heart, in order to clarify what that is and what we're going for. So, yeah, developing Mune is about developing personal power through the heart. And here's the, I'm going to start reading. We do not want to develop personal power just to become superior or to have a good image or to always be able to get what we want. 
We mainly want to do it for the sake of serving our people and our Mother Earth in a strong and beautiful way. We also cultivate Mune to enjoy the experience of perceiving with our heart the wonderful presence of spirit as much as possible in all we do. The compassion of the heart is the balance of personal power. We do well when we have both. To carry any kind of powerful weapon in our hands or in our minds without having first awakened the sacred fire in our hearts makes us dangerous people. The meaning of the word mune is as vast as the universe. The best way to, to translate it, according to my understanding, is the will of the heart. In some cases, it means love. In other cases, it means wanting. In other contexts, it means power. In the end, all these meanings are valid and could be put together. Mune, in a broader sense, is the immense power that lives in the human heart that allows us to act in favor of what we love and what we want. For those who want to put it in a simpler way, it works just to say compassion, or to just say will. Sometimes it is good to understand the entire meaning that our ancestors put in a word, because in this way we understand what kind of people they were, and how it is that they perceived their reality. In the Andes, when we say, I love you, we say, Noka Munani. In this last word, Munani, being a derivative of the word mune. What strikes me most about saying it in the runasimi language is that it doesn't just mean I love you, it really means I have the will and the power to love you, as well as there is compassion in my heart for you. Even in that, this last case, when meaning compassion, it is not a passive form of compassion that just remains in one's heart as a good feeling towards another. In truth, Mune is an active energy that makes compassion come together with the willpower that makes us enact our love with Tukui Songkoi, or the whole heart, with courage and with a deep desire to serve another. And this last section that I want to read is from the chapter, The Teachings of the Snake, and the subheading is called The Unity of Women and Men. As men who want to be real, we need to be trustworthy, like the sun who never fails to appear in the morning. Then the women who are next to us may relax in their own waters and enjoy the complete flowering of their abundant feminine being. A man should learn from another man to be the sun's child, to stay firm in the place where he nourishes and nurtures the feminine without allowing his own little needs and personal defenses to get in the way. The sun, our cosmic teacher, never fails to appear in the morning. He is trusted, and because of this trust, life on earth has balance. According to principles of physics, the sun creates a curvature in space that allows the earth to be in permanent motion, always remaining in orbit without becoming lost in the infinite universe. I believe women need us to be present, fully present, in a similar way. The knowledge of the masculine rational mind is useful and necessary, but we don't need to be imposing what we think we know on everyone else. Rational knowledge is just the help we need to, to counterbalance the abundant, powerful, fluid, and unpredictable tides of the wild feminine nature. This unpredictability is beautiful. It is a manifestation of taku wakan skan skan, <laughs> which means of something sacred in perpetual motion which sustains all life. 
But for most men, what is unpredictable can be difficult to handle. Therefore, when the world seems too big and out of control, rational knowledge serves us to make it look smaller, more ordered, and manageable. This is all good and useful, but when afraid or arrogant, we overdo it. We know when we are overdoing it when we only listen to ourselves and to no one else. Healthy masculine intelligence is a powerful balancing force in nature, but its goal is not to annihilate the feminine or defeat the mystery. Nor do we want to get used to always reducing our world to something manageable, small, and mediocre. I believe this is why we always return to the ceremonial house, to the sacred fire, to sacred time, to the love of a woman, to the abyss of love, to the place where we release everything we know and jump so that we never forget how immense our hearts and minds really are. We welcome the movements of mystery, the magic times, in which we flow without knowing, but with trust. Feminine intelligence gives us intuition and feelings of certainty that, some, that sometimes are not easy to understand with our head, but which allow us to move with beauty, spontaneity, and lightness in the only moment that exists, the present moment. Over the years, I have shared the teachings of the snake a few times with both individuals and groups. Most people seem to clearly understand the role of the female principle incarnated in the beautiful hearts of women, but people ask over and over again what is the role of men, incapable of seeing what a healthy man really looks like, as if this has become the most obscure reality in the human mind. I say this is work in progress. It's going to take us some time to return to our true sacred masculine qualities. But there is something we need to do as soon as po but this is something we need to do. Oh no. But there is something we need to do as soon as possible. The snake gave me the clue to understand this. Remember how the snake showed me images of millions of men dying or becoming incapacitated in endless wars? Remember how she made me notice what happens to the women at home who never saw their husbands return alive or saw them return without their full physical or mental integrity? I take this as the clue she gave me to guide me on my way back to myself. We men need to complete our return to our women, become a gift for them, real men. We need to come back home from battle, like the warriors of the past, wipe the war paint from our faces before we enter their sacred space. I'm feeling like life is too hard. I'm feeling, I'm feeling very slow, like I'm feeling Kind of like I want everything to be motivated from the inside. Like if I want to do something, I want to be able to choose to do that thing and not have it be a schedule that's laid out in front of me. I am the keeper of this dream. I feel It's almost like my skin functions on intuition and inspiration. So it's like I want to let life come through me instead of lead life to something. It's like instead of like going forward and everything, I sort of want to like be receptive to what life happens. How do I feel about jobs? Because that's the thing, if I, if I commit to 
into something 100%, like a job, and it means I can't do what I want. It's like when the tides change, I can't go with it. It's like I have to go against it. I'm actually looking for somebody to leave me. I want to be let out. Rise of my sister, rise up. We are the water, the sacred cup. It's in our hands that all her life grows. I'm waiting for your prompts too. Like I didn't hear. It's in your dance. It's in your hands. It's in your love. We rise above. In your song, I hear my soul. It's the life so rise of my sisters. Let us lift each other up. Sing it from your heart and from your soul. Yeah, I feel like you give me something and that comes through me as something else. And I love that, and I like like this. I feel feel very fluid in this room. myself. I, that's what I don't want is to be hard. Like I don't want to be hard and have to protect myself against anything. Like I want to be protected totally and I want to be taken care of. Like I want to be in a safe box but the way that that box is, the way that being owned in that way is, is like it doesn't keep me trapped in any way. It like enables me it feels like to become wider. So I feel, I feel like with, with everything being harsh and with no protection, I'm like limited in that way. I feel tight, but like having a, a box around me and like a man that's protecting me completely makes me feel like natural for me to give energy. I actually see that as part of receptivity, that's funny, but I see it as me totally receiving a person actually when I see what their needs are and when I can meet those needs. I hate this. I already hate this. I don't even want to be here, so what do you guys want me to talk about? Well, what do you want to be doing? Basically proving everyone wrong. If you want to know the honest truth. How so? I'm sick of people looking at me and saying just because I'm female I can't accomplish something. I'm sick of people making me trapped. That's what I feel. I feel trapped by absolutely everybody. And I am infuriated at this point. People say that I can't be this way and they say that I can't be the other way. 
And I don't want that one to exist because it, everybody just says it's pathetic and embarrassing. And frankly, I think it's pathetic and embarrassing, and I'm super mad about it. I'm mad that when I have a period, I can't feel the same way that my male colleagues feel. I'm angry that my... Um, that the school that my son goes to calls me and not my son's father. I'm angry right now because when I put just as much energy into providing for my son that a man would, he's considered a good dad and I'm considered a failure as a mom. This is like where all my pain is, is at this part actually. I can't stop it. I can't not be the other way. I want to just like cut it out of my being so I don't have to feel this way. I don't want to cry like this. It's embarrassing. It's like everybody just tells me you're a female and you're freaking emotional, so don't be emotional. Alright, I'm not emotional. Let me fight with you for five hours. Let's do it. Do you feel like you need to be a man to survive? Yes. So, why are you in pain right now? Because I can't be. Because if I try as hard as I can, I can't be. I just have to act like it and then I have to go sit in my hotel room and cry because I can't be. It's like there's so much fucking pain involved in being a woman today that I don't know how to function. I feel like my only answer is to get rid of that aspect you just talked to. I just, I like wish I had people to help. I feel like I have no help nowadays. You know? Yeah. What would your life look ideal? Like I'd be living in a group of pe with a group of people. I like need people. I'm mad because I feel myself deflating already. Is this aspect? I just, I just want to do what I want to do. I just, what I want is freedom. And I don't want it to be wrong when I want something. You know? Like, if I want to have a certain job, I want to be able to have that job, but in a way that doesn't destroy me, and I don't feel like that's possible. You're expected to do all of it at the same time. Like, I mean all of it. Like, that's what I feel. Is I feel so much pressure. Like, I have to keep together and I have to do all of it. That's what I literally feel like. I have to do all of it. I have to get done doing a speaking engagement. I have to throw down my books and I have to immediately start singing to my son and figure out what he's doing for homework. And by the end of the day, I'm so exhausted that there's no room for a good relationship. And then they say, well, you're a failure because your relationships have failed. And I feel like none of us can win. And I want people to see what I'm good at. I need, I really want my excellence to be recognized. I'm sick of having to prove myself. I feel like I have to work twice as hard. I have, I have to work twice as hard because in order to succeed, I have to deny an entire part of myself that I've been told is embarrassing. I don't know, is it embarrassing? Maybe it's embarrassing to want to be led and to want to be provided for. Maybe it's embarrassing to want to be protected, but I do.
And that's the truth. I just wish that, like, those desires didn't make me somehow less of a human. Or person. Less respect-worthy. I'm tired of that. I'm really tired. I'm, like, really, really tired. Like, really, 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 really tired. I want to be more feminine, but I don't want that to decrease my level of success, and that's the truth. Okay, just say your name real quick. Arkhan And then the name of your book, The Time of the Black Jawa. What inspired you to write that book? My love for the earth. My hope that by remembering what it is to be a real human being that is part of the earth, yeah. that we can have a better future, that our children uh, are going to have the wisdom required to uh, go through a hard time first and then create a much better, much more beautiful world. Okay. Uh, more like a... They're gonna, they don't have any with them, so they'll give it to yeah, you tomorrow. Yeah, okay. okay. More like a... You know, our, there is a lot of pains and sufferings in the modern world that we didn't have before. Yeah. People were happier before because living close to the earth and living in community yeah. and living close to spirit yeah. makes you happy. Yeah. And people are so hungry now that they end up using drugs, alcohol, and looking for the medicine in the wrong way. So I wrote that book uh, to, to give references of what's, what's still alive in our indigenous cultures yeah. and how to inspire people to, uh, yeah. to look for that wisdom. Yeah, and then the the jaguar. Is, is there some like stories, or is there like oh yeah, just trails have like the, the the trails lead to medicines, or why do you use why do you use a jaguar? Oh yeah, yeah. Because North American natives probably need to know why you use the jaguar. Well, uh, in in our culture, the the puma and the jaguar are are our, our teachers they are the ones who who know who have a big territory and they protect their territory they know how to make very very good use of their territory without hurting the land and hurting the territory yeah so we we identify with the jaguar and the puma because they are they are determined they are fierce and at the same time they are compassionate and they are wise they can see in the night, they can find the medicines. They are the the, the best representation of what it is to be a caretaker. Yeah. You're responsible for your world. That's what the puma and the jaguar are. But in the case of the book I wrote, the jaguar is black. Yeah. And black jaguar is the, the, when life goes out of balance, and human beings forget for too long how to take care of life. Yeah, we say that the black jaguar comes. The black jaguar is uh, it's not destructive in the sense that that is kind of like a killer that will come. Mm -hmm. It's not vengeance. It's not evil. It's just a force of nature that comes to. Sorry for the language, but to give you a kick in the bad. Yeah. So you know. <laughs> so uh, yeah. so you remember. Yeah. You remember what what you are responsible for. You remember to take good care of life. So sometimes, unfortunately, 
the only way we human beings wake up and come back to be responsible is when we have a little bit of suffering. You know, uh, uh, that's the kick in the bad, you know. Sometimes after a strong shake that we receive in our lives, then we wake up. So there is a big chance that in the in these times that we're living now, you know, there's strong things happening in the world that shake people up and say, hey, you know, maybe we did something wrong. Maybe we have to go back to our natural way. And, and some people, if they don't get that wake-up call in yeah. a strong way, they stay how they are. With all your experience and where this book has taken you, um, you might have mentioned some of this already, but I'm, I'm going to ask you, what kind of... Um, what kind of knowledge, um, humble teachings, um, just guidance that you could share with uh, Native men, Native fathers, and you know, my understanding from from my culture and how I was taught, uh, our duty is to to protect the feminine, and the the feminine is like like water. Water needs to needs a container. When water doesn't have a container, it spills out. It goes all over the place. It loses itself. So men, we we need to have the, the awareness of what's happening with the water and create con a container for it. Yeah. Channel it in some way. But it requires a lot of wisdom to do that with respect. Because when we overdo that, we tell the water what to do or we create a dam or we just put it in a glass and that's not that also creates suffering it's about doing it holding the water creating the container making the waters feel safe and relaxed the waters of the women and the children but in a way that we do not impose in a respectful manner and that is the art of men beautiful know? beautiful thank you yeah Oh, thank you. That's great. Yeah, thank you. You guys know about that already. I told you I watched like one of the best documentaries that I've watched in years yesterday. It was called Liberated, The Sexual Revolution. I was so mad, oh my god, after watching that and so inspired to be teaching about it. I feel like this is critical. You got to come into alignment with our masculinity and femininity. I'm going to be teaching about this in the future. You can guarantee it. When it comes to polarity, no woman is attracted to a receptive type of individual. And receptivity in a male doesn't feel like, oh, I'm open to what you think. No. I'm, when I'm talking receptivity in a male, um, in the negative sense, it's passivity. And that makes a female turned off. There's no polarity. And it makes us feel unprotected. And as if there is not going to be anything that this male can do in our lives or for us. Yeah, basically these you know, nice men, men that are, that are considering themselves nice, often have zero ownership whatsoever. And that is never going to turn a woman on. What I mean by ownership is, you guys can watch this video if you haven't already, I did a, I did a whole video called Own People, and in that I explained this whole dynamic with men. It's very important for the forward moving energy in a masculine um, body and embodiment to take ownership of the people in their lives. Now when they do that, it's almost like they put a container and it's a safe container around the people in their lives. This is different than control. So for those of you women that are watching this feeling yourselves get triggered, I am not talking about control, I'm talking about ownership. To really genuinely own something, you have to take it as part of yourself. Now I know that you all know the asshole, you know, who's like horrible in relationships, but he takes completely perfect care of his mint-conditioned Ferrari, right? 
that is the degree to which taking something as part of yourself has to happen, but within the context of relationships, for a guy to be a good guy, but also super forward-moving go-getter type of guy. By the way, I have known, as a woman, I'm just going to do an honest picture. As a woman, I have known some of the nicest guys that are just sweeter than hell, and that you know would never hurt a fall. And yet, as a woman, you know, in their sweetness and their morality and their, like, the fact that they would never be, you know, whatever it is. There is a weakness which has nothing to do with being sweet. It has to do with the way that they behave in general. Whether they step up and take, the, you know, actually breathe in their masculinity, how they are in the sexual experience. It, it is impossible to be, be turned on by this man. It's impossible to feel matched by these men. And what's very important for a female is the, is the capacity to be led. Now this is really important for somebody like me to be saying this because here I am, I've got like a huge international career in companies. No, I'm not going to come to you from the standpoint of like this big shot CEO woman who's like, you can take all the power, but that's totally out of alignment. I'm telling you literally, to be in alignment as a female, you have got to let yourself be led by someone. And so these types of men who are super, super sweet, they can't freaking lead you. They can't do it. And when push comes to shove and it's a difficult situation, that stuff is going to let you be the one in charge. That is scary as hell as a female. So that is the main reason why as a female there's no way in hell I would go for a sweet guy over a guy who's aggressive, regardless of whether or not. We would rather have both. Yeah? Hey, maybe he's a resource. <laughs> it's the container. Yeah, you want a container. Oh okay. yeah, by the way, I should explain this because this is really beautiful. Sorry, but... <laughs> When a man is able to create that containment, meaning with his strength and his forward-moving energy, he's able to create a safe space for a female, hopefully not where he's tormenting her inside of that, what it enables a female to do is to go into receptivity. The energy is a bit like a flower blooming inside of a box. It is one of the healthiest vibrations to see in a relationship. And when I'm teaching relationship workshops, you can bet that that's the specific energy that I'm going to be going through and going for if we're in a male-female dynamic relationship. I've never been able to figure it out. All I know is it came from somewhere deep, deep, deep within. So it was pure. And you and I talked about this, the power of commitment, how I really fundamentally believe in the power of commitment and making commitments to yourself. You got to keep them. So I knew I had to make a vow to myself to get out of this. I didn't know what. And I just sat down and I wrote, and I vowed, I, I vowed to, it was freehand, right? I vowed to love myself. It was a primal, it was a pure primal vow. I was like, okay, I don't know how to do that. And I got to figure out because I made a commitment to myself and, and a vow to yourself is a sacred act. Yep. You know, you, you do that, you keep it and life will change. And I have to figure out how to do it. One thing is like some people confuse with narcissism. Loving yourself is not narcissism. Like, it's almost know. a response to lack of, lack of yeah. self-love because it's the need to have other attention, affection, appreciation. It's, it's actually on the far scale of the conditional love paradigm where they have to show something in order to receive love from some other source. It's, a com it's an internal thing. It's a mindset. It's, where it's a belief. It's a rock-solid belief where your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions rise from. If they, if they rise from there, then your life rises from there. And what I've also learned is like, look, you can't fight fear. You know, like fear, you know, it's, it's a concept that I've, I've learned is that, you know, light and darkness. 
Like, you can't fight darkness. Darkness is the absence of light. So what you do is you work on the light, you bring the light in, and that takes away the darkness. If I worked on the light, it would take care of the rest. Mm. And that's love. Love is ultimately light. Like when you when you feel love, you feel light. There's a there's a there's a lightness inside, you know, for lack of a better word. But uh, it's a fundamental truth. It's like we're responsible for it all because we're the only ones we control. Now I'm going to give us all a little economic um, interlude in this introduction to the podcast. There is a bunch of brilliant. Um, economic information in the book, The Time of the Black Jaguar. But I'm going to read the first page of an ebook by R. Budd, which is R B U D D, that you can find on Amazon. It's called Invest in Your Chest From Underemployment to Inner Employment. So this is what it says What are you working for? Most work to not work. We basically work for a period of time in hopes of supporting some experience where we aren't working and can truly relax. This is us working for a slice of heaven. We are binding ourselves with comforts that keep us grounded in our current situations. These situations limit us mentally and physically, and we have created them consciously or unconsciously. Every breath is an investment. You must find the return on all the breaths you have taken up until this current breath reading this text. Once we locate the returns, all that we have been breathing for, or missing crucial breaths for, we can begin to see our own power of manifestation. Nothing is for nothing. When we get to view when we get a view of our returns, we can see that we work for and we can see what we work for and what works for us and when we are working for money, and when money is working for us. When our mentality is broken, we become physically broken on top of being financially broken. Sex sells, right? Where have you sold your sexuality to? Our sexuality is our base currency. All of life emanates from sexuality. You cannot read this text if sexual energies weren't exchanged that resulted into your manifesting through the conduits that are your parents. If the hormonal flow is disrupted and our sexuality is tossed around unconsciously, our productive powers are dismantled. Generally speaking, most people seek masturbation partners, sex ships. Males seek to bust nuts, which inevitably translates into a broken biochemical flow and a broken state of being. Males kill their life force energy, chasing that feeling of re-entering the womb, and this builds subconscious resentment for the female because he is being drained, and the female will make matters worse by pointing out his lack of ambition, which are due to his lack of life force energy or productive energy. All ejaculations burst something into existence. They all have a return. Whenever we are being cheap to ourselves, we repel money. Whenever we reduce our own value, we lose the perspective value of others tenfold. We depreciate. The more we appreciate, the more we appreciate. We have to appreciate what it is to, what it is that we do have, and we cannot see what we do have until we locate the returns from our life force energies. Just as we inhale, we have to exhale. There's no winning or losing in life, only trading. We have to decide whether or not the trades are worth it. And the only thing you can create that can create a measurement of worth or value is you. 
When we are not at our peak potential, constantly pushing our mind-body to become stronger, we have fear and doubt. When we invest in ourselves and watch the creative process envelope before our eyes, by giving and finding a return, we only add to our self-respect, which in turn leads to respect for others in all things, because if we do not create, we have no choice but to hate. If we do not teach, we have no choice but to take. We cannot be afraid to teach ourselves, to be students of ourselves. We have lost trust in ourselves, but expect others to trust us. Okay. Hey, Shadow, is you've got that prison of glass. So if you perceive that there's a separation between you and other people, it's difficult to see your effect that you're having on people. Yeah. Because you assume that you can't touch them. I assume that I can't touch them. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I can see how that's true. Because that's part of your loudness. Is like you're yelling, you don't realize there's no glass. You can't get yourself to not want what you want. It is to buck the current of your own expansion. The best that you can do is to try to figure out why you want the things that you want. Because doing that brings you closer to your truest desires. Doing that brings you closer to the very desire which you have expressed. And no matter what society says, you can want whatever it is that you want. It is appropriate to want anything that you want. And if anyone tells you otherwise, it's because they have an insecurity relative to what you want. Either they don't think they are those things, or they don't want you to want those things so you can be with them instead. Most people in society would rather tell you that you shouldn't desire what you desire, so that they don't feel bad about themselves and invalidated. So to close this episode off, I'm just restating and emphasizing the sort of these two elements to life. Like, allow yourself to want exactly what you want and what's your true signature and your true vision. Other people want to be loved for who they are and not for what they're not, just to the same degree that we don't want to be loved for what we're not or what we could be for someone else. And, as usual, all of this stuff starts with ourselves. All these... Um, relationship ideas can can be taken back to the self in in terms of like being a, being able to have that concept of loving yourself exactly how you are and also at the same time having having a vision for yourself it's quite the balancing act but it's it's a very important one and what I'm having to come to terms with is the truth that maybe I don't actually know what it feels like to love myself if I've, and it almost seems like a banal phrase to say, to love oneself because it's so much more complicated and full than that, the experience of truly not being in conflict with yourself. But if I've only actually experienced love for myself in extremely short bursts, I'm asking for a whole new world to be birthed to me, just as much as I might want a whole new world to be birthed to the world. I thought it was an abstract thing, you know. When I was singing about all you need is love, I was talking about something I hadn't experienced. Mm -hmm. <laughs>
I'd experienced, you know, love for people in gusts and love for things and trees and things like that, but I hadn't experienced what I was singing about. It's like anything, you sing, sing about it first or write about it first and find out what you were talking about after.
Now that helps the ego. The ego that's in a, in a state of being threatened, like yours, essentially, can use that to push off of and get a sense of itself. You're just right now. You're just back in the mind well, again. Well, I don't know the answer, so I'm trying to like that's not because you're mentally trying to time. figure it out. Sorry, you're, you're trying to mentally figure it out. I hope all of you are seeing yourself in this example. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> you are trying to mentally figure out the answer, and the mental mind is not vulnerable. So I'm supposed to feel it. I do feel it. Okay, I feel, I'm trying to think of how I would feel watching this. Because <laughs> right now I'm in the moment, and I'm with, present with you, and I'm very conscious of people's time. And I'm trying to. Pretty. What? I'm sorry you had to be so strong. It wasn't fair. Nobody should have been put in the position that you were put in. <laughs> Now I just feel like you're playing with me. No, no, I'm actually, I'm, I'm introducing you to your vulnerability. I'm looking at a person who never had anybody to hold her hand, and so she got into stuff way too young because there was nobody there for her. So you had to be strong with everything. That's painful. I know you're good at it, but you shouldn't have to be. for you is that in the future, to the degree that you can allow it, you can actually know what it feels like to have people who are there for you, not conditionally, because it's exhausting. I know your life is exhausting. Well, I mean, I feel like I generally live a vulnerable life, so I really have to go back and reflect on that. Yeah. Do that. Are there exercises? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are exercises, but the issue is you're out of touch with your emotions, and so you can't really have access to your authenticity. Like, this is the number one reason why we have to be completely in touch with our emotions and how we're feeling all the time is because that is what tells you the truth of who you are. Not your thoughts. It's difficult to explain. Those of you who are into astrology understand this. You're a very airy person. And air basically is mutable. It changes very quickly. So when I watch you, one thought causes a huge reaction emotionally. And then the next thought causes a whole different reaction emotionally. So it's literally like watching a super shifty storm. But up here, it's just level. So you're not even registering it. So interesting. That must be from my childhood. Oh yeah, all of it is. Mm -hmm. 
things, as you were saying, and which was very true, that you have to be strong, so therefore you kind of disconnect. But I didn't actually realize it was that extreme. Because I feel emotions. I often feel very overwhelmed with emotion. So I didn't know that I was untouched with it. Why is that funny for you? Like, why? Because I just, I love, I can see what you're becoming. That's why. I see images of you even watching this. It's painful. Some points, yeah, other points you're going to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is like, especially at the moment when we were finally getting somewhere. And you went right towards the edge, and everyone was waiting for you to tip over, and then you went. <laughs> and the whole audience went, oh. oh. <laughs> Sorry. Why are you apologizing? You're the one that's living a painful life that way. It's real painful to have to be that stoic. I don't even know what that word means, but I'll look it up. I have an idea. <laughs> okay. All right. So my stoicism yeah. is stopping me from opening a summer camp. Yes. I'm stalling through being stoic. Does John Wayne have a sidekick? Is that a trick question? Well... <laughs> I don't know. With me, you'll never know, but there's your chess game coming out. Okay. Um, basically, John Wayne is one of these archetypal stoic characters. Does he have a sidekick? Why? <sighs> there's no room in your personality structure for another person. Too bad for me. Not really, because you're going to shift that. Okay. God, that was so hard. My gosh. That just, like, hurt. For those of us that are sensitive, that really hurt. Which part? When you just said that about yourself. Too bad for me. You just killed the empaths in the room. <laughs> I feel sorry for me. If that's the case. Yeah, I would feel sorry for me too, but that's not what that word, did you, did you hear the tonality of that word? Which word? Too bad for me. Huh. Ow. I want it to start hurting you when you say stuff like that. Because it has to stop. If you want a nice life, you know? You are way hard with yourself. It's like iron. Look at the jaw clench. I am so excited that you're learning this about yourself now. Well, me too. I didn't know. It's going to take me a little while to digest, but I I really thought I was a soft person. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No. Like iron? Maybe? Iron. We're moving towards titanium, so. Is that softer? <laughs> I don't know. I hope it. I'm Maybe, I hope there are no, like, engineers. Titanium is actually harder, but it's lighter. Okay. And it's very corrosion-resistant. softness. And I'm giving permission to everyone else to help you with it. 
means you're gonna have a fun lunch break. <laughs> Softer, harder. Okay. I promise it's gonna help you. Softer, yes. Okay, and I don't hate you. And I'm not disappointed in you. Okay, you should just know that because there is a part of you that needs it, even though the other part of you says, I like crappy feedback, right? Well, it's okay, honest. No arguing. <laughs> no, I like honest feedback. I do. I appreciate it. Part of you does. Part of you doesn't. Is that the way with everybody? Yeah. yeah. Part of you likes it. Part of you is really hurt by what has happened on stage today. Is it the mountain part? No, it's the fact that I've just harangued your whole personality structure. My God. But it's so good. <laughs> Only part of you thinks that. No, because, I mean, I'm not going to disagree. <laughs> How do I approach that with softness? Yeah, you're just going to listen to me. Yeah, you approach it with softness, but you're just going to listen to me, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm talking to the aspect of you. I don't give a shit about the hard part. I'm just going to talk to the part of you that needs to hear this. Okay. I, I don't, I'm not in disapproval of you. I think you're fascinating. <laughs> I like your personality. I'm really excited for the vulnerable parts of you to come out. But I don't need you to do that to like you. What happens? Okay, let's go to the biggie. Ready? Okay. We're now I'm going to set up the checkmate move. Okay. This is fun. Okay. <clears throat> to start with, you say, I am stalling because I feel totally alone in this and it's over my head. What does strength do to people? Wouldn't it make you want to progress and move forward? You, but what about other people? What does my strength do yeah. to other people? Mm. Oh, it propels them. Yeah. Okay. You're going to attract weak people who can't keep deadlines, who don't really want to put in the effort, who are okay with you being the strong one? Okay. So what do I do? And I don't need to help you. See, if you're strong, I even, I'm, okay, you're talking to me, right? When you go into that strong modality where you're like, yeah, I can do that, I can do it myself, I'm like, okay, she's got it. I mean, in this particular case, if you want to affect people's energy to make them step up, the last thing you want to do is lead. You're just going to find people who are like, yeah, sounds good. You do it. Right. I'll cheer you on. Oh, wait, this is more interesting. Yeah. You know? Well, everybody thinks it's a great idea. Yeah. But then it's like it's a big idea. It requires a lot of people, and it requires a lot of time and energy and money and all of those things. But it's something I can't do alone. But at the same time, as you're saying, I guess I'm repelling people, so... How do you tell people about an idea and not be strong about it? <laughs> or certain, or have some set of sense of assurance about it? I'm not telling you to get rid of all that stuff. Okay. It's just that you've got a pattern of behavior in your life with everyone where you don't go into any state of vulnerability. Huh. You give the impression... And if you'd like to confirm this with the audience afterwards, you can do that. You give the impression that you need nothing from no one ever. 
people into your reality that would rather get help from you, frankly. Who's laughing? <laughs> you're, you know, right? You're like, um, okay. Like, you're the friend that I would call if my car broke down. That's true. I'm sorry, I don't know how to fix a car, but I would have some good but ideas. But you look like you do. Yeah. I would have, oh. Really? Yeah. That kind of hurt. But okay. Um, I would have some good ideas, though. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, That's look, we've got an enabler in the house. <laughs> not be that way. You'd be vulnerable. I'm so vulnerable. <laughs> we just went over this. Okay. I won't make you repeat, but okay. I feel like I'm a really emotionally vulnerable person. Honestly, I do. <laughs> no, because when you when you're in when you're hurting, you don't say it. You don't say it. To who? And how? Do you say it like this? I'm hurting right now. No. What do you do? I cry. And I say, you know, like, you said this, and I perceive when you said that, that it said this. Like, I do all of those things, or I'll, like, have talks with my parents or my family or my friends, and I tell them genuinely. I, like... I'm a seriously genuine person, very open and vulnerable. I don't present that way, clearly. Maybe it's the stripes and the hair. I'm not sure what it is. It's like my wide shoulders. I don't know. I would hope I could see past that. Well, you could, but I don't know. Like, okay. I don't, like, I didn't know this. So thank you for sharing. But how does one undo such? You learn to become vulnerable. Like, you're not even being vulnerable right now. How does it feel to sit up on stage and have somebody who you obviously respect tell you that you've got a huge defect? Blank well, spot. I, no, I accept it. Ah, that was so vulnerable of you. Well, I'm slow. No. Like, literally, I am. You are not slow. I'm very slow. You are not slow. You're not winning this fight, no way. <laughs> No, you are whip smart. I didn't say I was dumb. I said I was slow. <laughs> it takes time to process things for me. That's not how the intellect usually works, but okay. Well, it's true. It takes time for me to process things. I don't like it, but it's true. But how do I, like, if you tell me I have a huge defect, is that what you're telling me? Yeah, yeah, well, why not? Yeah, let's okay. play that game. I don't feel like I'm a huge defect, but let's pretend. Okay. Like, I'm not... <laughs> okay, I'm not vulnerable enough. I need to be more vulnerable. But not in my emotional relationships. Like, I don't understand. Because I'm really vulnerable. I'm not. <laughs> well, then I don't know how to be more vulnerable. Good. That's the best thing you've said all day. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad I'm getting there. So, right now, what does this feel like? Well, I'm grateful. I feel like I'm getting some feedback, and that's helpful. And what does it feel like? It feels... 
kind of blank, yeah, right now. This feedback that I'm giving you does not feel good. You've developed a skill. I, I call it a division, where it's like a person's head is disconnected from their lower half of their body. So you're very good at conveying information, and you're very mentally available. But emotionally available, not so much. Is that the same thing as not being vulnerable? Yeah. They, they go hand in hand. You have to give of yourself to be emotionally available. And giving of yourself is that state of vulnerability. So like it's it's very it gets confusing. So for me it will be visually confusing. For other people it will be like a feeling sensation that's confusing. Where it's like they can feel on you that you're not not happy about what we're talking about right now. But up here you'll be like, thank you, that's a good feedback. I'm really, really, I'm loving it. <laughs> and so you're going to seem dangerous to them. And it's very, it's a very subconscious thing in other people. They're going to register you as a major threat because of that. Okay. And I'm just going to get pissed because it's like, okay. Well, I don't really get super angry, but you know, for the sake of entertainment, I'm watching emotions that you're not even registering. Do you want to share them? <laughs> you are gonna, you are gonna love looking back at this one. Oh, I, um, I mean, no disrespect. Did that sound disrespectful? I don't care if you are disrespectful. Oh, okay. I didn't. No, I'm like it would be very helpful for me if you would help because I feel like I recognize I have a heart block. I, and I try then to you work. can't be vulnerable. So here, we got to get this straight. If you recognize that you have a heart block, being vulnerable is not possible. The rest of my body? <laughs> like my head? <laughs> Your head doesn't count for crap right now. Okay. But, like, my heart isn't completely blocked. But it's pretty blocked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I, but I try, like I'm doing the work that I know how to do. I know you're that. doing a good job. We're not in a debate about whether you're right. This is the thing. You are very addicted to the idea of right. In your life, everything's got to be right. In fact, a lot of what you're doing in your profession is about being right. And you are confusing virtue with right. So that's a lot of what compels you to do the work you're doing, right? <laughs> the virtue. It's right to preserve native cultures. It's right to do X and X with the foster system. Mm -hmm. Now, when you make certain things right, what does that mean? You must make other things wrong. It's not possible to create one polarity without simultaneously creating the opposite polarity. Oh. So it means that there's a lot in your life that is wrong. Now, the second you make something wrong, your subconscious mind has motivation to own it. And you become completely oblivious to an entire aspect of reality and yourself. Okay. You have made certain emotions wrong. That means I'm not going to recognize them in myself. I don't have them. Oh. Do you know what they are? Yeah. 
share. Most of them are vulnerable emotions. So fear, pain, you're getting better with fear. Pain is the one that you don't think is okay. <laughs> you can't go into victim. Pachamama, she's giving us an opportunity to experience life. Where I come from, we call our Mother Earth Pachamama. Pachamama. Pacha has two different meanings. It means universe, the universal life, and it also means time. This is very powerful for us, that it means these two things, time and universe, space. And Pachamama is the giver of life, she gives us our life. She gives us the place where we are alive, this earth, and the food, the water, all that we need. But she also gives, gives us time, she's the mother of time. And time is limited. It's a few years that we stay here on this planet. And when I reflect about this and I pray to Pachamama and ask for help to understand 
who is Pachamama? What is this place that we, where we are? What I feel, what I understand, and what our ancestors understood is that life, time, space, they are all the same thing, opportunity. We can also say that Pachamama means the mother of the opportunity. This is the great gift we are given, the opportunity to experience life. The opportunity to experience life in this beautiful earth, full of beauty, full of difficulties, full of surprises, where we can really grow, where we can really explore, learn, develop ourselves, have our heart develop feelings for all this life, have children and love our children, use what the earth gives us and create things from it, beautiful things, and always make our lives better, create a good way of life. In order to take the opportunity, we need to develop awareness. Awareness is a powerful medicine. Everything that we do with awareness has a different quality than if we do it without awareness. We can be doing the most humble, simple task. And if we have awareness, it can become an amazing opportunity to know ourselves, to develop ourselves, to discover something. And life is beautiful when we continuously exercise these talents, these gifts that we were born with. This is the opportunity. Life is better when we are not trapped, when we are not so concerned by having material things. And these material things are necessary. We do need them. And we do need to work in order to have them and provide them to our children. Still, that's not where it ends. That's not why we came here. The opportunity is much bigger than that. Each human being, every human being, has the opportunity to grow, to discover, to see things that have never been seen before. When we take this opportunity, we expand ourselves. We go further. And we have more to offer to the earth, to our people, to those that we love. The meaning of Pachamama as matter of time has to do with us. We're given time, and time is limited. It is very important for each one of us to know what to do with our time how to use this time, this limited time. One day the opportunity will be over. And we are going to find ourselves asking ourselves or responding to ourselves, how did I take the opportunity? What did I do with my time? How far did I go?
my uh, thought on spiritualism, and I don't think you need to pay to get that, or for me to pay to give her that, but I don't understand what the hell I am, or why, and where I'm supposed to go with it. Or even if, like, I know I, I know things that I don't know, but, like, I don't know where the information, whatever came from or whatever, and it was really young. But then, when you lie to yourself for so long, how are you supposed to uh, find your way? Like, I don't know. Do you, you tell me what my question is. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, there is multiple ways that universal information can filter in through the body. You're what we would consider to be a multi-sensory person. So as I'm staring at you, most of your chakras are far beyond, in terms of openness, where they should be. The fact that you even made it through the military is, like, real surprising to me. I, yeah, it was tough. Um, even, actually, I know what my question is. Well, there's two parts. Um, I took on, I really, I don't know how to explain it, so you have to bear with me on how crude it might sound or like well, abstract don't, from Don't what, worry, I okay. can hang with you. It's, well, it's just I hate, anyway. Um, I don't hate, sorry, don't take that the wrong way. Um, I seem to gather darkness from people. Yep. Okay. <laughs> we call you a receptacle in the spiritual community. It's somebody okay. who acts like a sponge for energies because you have the capability of transmuting them. Oh, I thought I almost killed it. You left me the end. Thanks. <laughs> um. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, um, well, that's great. Thank you for that. But uh, I You're don't... also a spiritual intuitive. A spiritual intuitive is somebody whose crown chakra is so open that it translates to a knowing without knowing how you know. Yeah, there's a lot of that. But it's hard to know it, but still lie to yourself about it and then get your mind around what you know because the rest of the society doesn't seem so walk me through this you, you receive information and then what happens I deny it I lie about it I in the past till quite recent did everything to numb everything about me hmm. if I wasn't on um, a set mission whether that be military or after business or whatever I can get so focused I can't think of anything else but that one set thing um, <laughs> it's not so funny. <laughs> no, it's really wonderful, actually, because that's a creator mind. The creator's mind is incredibly obsessive mm -hmm. because single-pointed focus feels so good. Mm -hmm. And when you're in the single-pointed focus, you are basically utilizing all of the universe's energy and focusing it into mm -hmm. creation. I've done the impossible here on Earth many times, like what society would say is impossible. Yeah. Um, just because... I want to, but... So what's holding you back? <laughs> um, well, I'm a real connector, too. <laughs> and vulnerable and open. Um, <laughs> my soft demeanor is very approachable. So, 
and I'm not stalling at all. Um, no, everything everybody has said has been so true, and I do. I've never believed, like to hear someone say, "Oh, we're all here for a collective reason." I'm like, bullshit. Like, come on, what are these people? You know. But every story, every person, everybody, I can connect in every way. Um, um, I get. Um, Um, <laughs> sorry. I'll try and be as vulnerable as I can. Um, I get information or feelings. Okay, if I'm walking down the mall or whatever. Yes. Well, I've been suicidal for a long time. Yep. Um, and. I know it's not me, generally. It's not me that's suicidal. But I've gathered so much darkness, and I carry it, or at least I feel I carry it, or I remember it, or I feel it, I don't know. And I've, I don't know, one, how to get rid of the darkness. Two, I don't know how to distinguish between my own feelings and everybody else's. Because when I almost, did kill myself recently. Um, it ended up being my neighbor, which I just figured out that it's her I was feeling. And I do feel um, very feminine at times. Um, so I can start to distinguish now like a little bit, but I have no way of, um, like I don't know how to function almost. Like I've don't smile when I say this stuff. <laughs> well, you're telling uh, me the same story that I lived. I mean, you're telling, you are telling the same story that everybody who's got these kinds of abilities tells. Okay. Life I thought a, I was alone. No. Like I, Life is a bloody nightmare. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Like, I yeah. know exactly what you're saying. It's hard to function, and I honestly... Well, yesterday, you should have seen me yesterday. I, I was taken into the aquarium. There were so many people in there that literally I almost passed out. Like mm -hmm. they, I had to be like taken out of the building. Mm -hmm. So I have to live my life in a way that is very careful. Mm -hmm. Now, standard, you know, especially a lot of the spiritual community people who are kind of like, oh, you should be able to deal with anything would basically tell me like, you should be able to deal with that. No, mm -hmm. I have to structure my life very carefully. The pain and suffering is so great. Yeah, and do you there. want to know something? You weren't, you did not come here to live in the society that has been created already. Sensitives, like yourself, have come here to shift society into something that is more conducive to life in general. What if we don't want that responsibility, though? You did before you came. Yeah. But you're living the same life that we live. Okay. It's yeah. just, there comes a point when it is too painful to live on the other side of the fence. That's what is killing mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. There comes a point where it's like, you know what? I can't deny this crap. I can't get rid of it. Tried it, right? So basically, mm -hmm. what am I going to do? I either kill myself or I commit 100% to this life and I just jump the fence. Mm -hmm. You join the island of misfit toys. <laughs> and you okay. hang out with the people where it's totally normal when you say, oh my gosh, did you just feel that? Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah. yeah. Well, it's nice to know there's other people than just me. I, I didn't know. Like, I don't even know. I've, uh, yeah. I hang out with them every day of the week. Okay. 
and they're all over the world. Cool. It's just that you're not going to find them in the military. <laughs> Fair enough. So the other question about the darkness, is that just um, because I'm attracted to that now? Can I? You're, so it's a three-part thing. Okay. First part, you're attracting it because you have a lot of trauma. And so it's mirroring so that you can see the wounds that are still present within you. Second, you're a receptor, which means that you do pull in energy. I've watched you do it. You're even trying to do it to me right now. <clears throat> I don't know, like consciously. Like a sponge, you're basically taking that in. You're, you're unconsciously doing a practice which we call tonglen. Tonglen is an ancient practice, Buddhist practice, of breathing in suffering and transmuting it into something else. Yeah. You are doing that unconsciously. But I don't think I transmute it, I think I just keep it. Exactly, and I'm about to tell you that's the third part. Oh. <laughs> so transmuting is literally so easy, it would be so easy for you, it would actually blow your mind. All you have to do is close your eyes, you start circulating the breath, and you, if you hold an, an image of something, I like to use stones, so if you can remember the feeling of that, you can basically push that through your whole body and you push the energy down through your feet into the center of the earth. Okay. You allow the earth energy to dissipate. Okay. It's, it's that fast. I mean, you literally I just have to visualize it. But why are we holding on to it? Well. As a memorial. Um, I, don't oh, I just know. told you the answer. We're holding on to it I as a memorial. I think it's because. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess. You're the kind of person who thinks that love is pain. Oh, yeah. I'll, so quite honestly, I don't think I know what love is yet. So you're trying to love the world through pain. Well, if that's all you've ever known. <laughs> I know. You don't have to justify it. Yeah, okay. Who are you trying to memorialize? Here, here I'm just going to ask you a question. I want you to just subconsciously answer me, okay? Subconsciously answer this. Who am I holding all this pain for? Everybody that's felt it. Why? The world. Because I don't think they um, can. Um, I don't think they're, well, it's my ego, I guess, maybe, too. I, I don't know. Well, you do it naturally, and so the ego, because it couldn't escape from it, it assumed that identity and said, okay, at least I can gain my superiority through being the only one that's strong enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my challenge to you, if you can feel my energy, <laughs> do you dare me to hold it with you? The pain? Yes. Well... <laughs> Look how nice he is. He's not even letting me have any. <laughs> if I let go of the pain, then it has to be filled with something, and I don't want to feel that again, really. I don't want to take away anything that makes you feel safe. If pain feels safe. Well, 
I just, I'm getting sick of the physical. Like, the physicality is just so limitless. Like, I've, I don't know how you guys term it or whatever, but um, gone to other places or, I don't know. And I've only done it a couple times. Once it was a little bit different, very dark, like everything I saw was yep. evil. So I got myself out real quick. Do you want me to tell you where you were? Um, I have an idea, but yeah, please. Human consciousness creates thought, and when thought is focused on long enough, it becomes thought form. There are entire dimensional realities that are created from the human consciousness thought form that is out of alignment lack mentality. That is what hell is. Yeah. So is that the same? And you're is trying. that just only in my mind? Or no, that's you, a dimension? No, it's in everybody's. In, it's an actual dimension you're going to. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, and then the other time, I just wasn't going to come back mm -hmm. to this. Uh, to me, whatever, this form. And uh, I did, I don't know why, but I did come back. I don't know, it's your turn. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> oh, okay, actually, I have another question then. I'm using your same technique on you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Um, Another chess match. Okay. I'm not trying to be. I'm not. <laughs> You're so beautiful to me. <laughs> because, yeah. Um, thank you. Now I forgot my question. Yeah, totally is gone. Feel your body. Huh? Feel your body. Yeah. No, like really feel it right now because mm. I'm, I'm doing a process on you. Okay. Well, yeah, for those of you who haven't heard this before, I'm actually doing energy work the whole time I'm up here with a person. So, I don't like it very much. Why? <laughs> I don't, I just don't want to. Like, okay, fine. <laughs> you guys can just see if you can perceive what's going on. live a very heavy life. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you should let somebody take your pain sometimes. 
thinking? I'm not. <laughs> well, suicide's number one thing in the military from my unit. Um, well, in the U.S., there's 22 veterans a day that kill themselves. Um, Canada, we don't even track it. We don't even, nobody cares. Since 99, there was just over 5,000 soldiers killed in the U.S. overseas. Over 120,000 killed themselves after they came back. I know, I work with them. Okay. He invented a process specifically for post-traumatic stress. Yeah, I don't have that. <laughs> no, I do have that. Um, <laughs> um, well, a version of it anyway. It wasn't so much what I did. It was people's pain that I took because mm -hmm. of that. That's what I had a problem with. And that's why the therapy of PTSD didn't really do anything for me except create more problems. Which I was able to cope very well with copious amounts of drugs. <laughs> um, obviously that came to a head. But I know, I guess, I don't know anything, but um, I feel like I was meant to help, I guess. Yes. <laughs> I've known that since I was a little kid. And I shut it off or deny it or lie to myself because I feel it's a responsibility and I don't want it, like didn't want it. And the reason, go ahead. You feel like it's a burden. The word responsibility is just the ability to respond to something, and you do have the ability, but it's not your duty. Duty implies no choice. Well, it's getting to that point where there is no choice. I'm either going to die or I'm going to have to start living. And that's a beautiful choice. <laughs> living true to who I am. It's still a choice. You could kill yourself. I mean, seriously, we can consider it. Do you want to do an exercise? Not right now, no. Why? <laughs> you came up here. I've, yeah. And I still have control and free will. <laughs> I, um, I made that choice to live already. I've. Are you sure? Because it's not how it reads. Well, I'll tell you in five minutes. <laughs> after I share this with you, I guess. Um, when I was seven, I was holding a baby, and I, you can tell me if he's here or not now, but it was Tommy. And I've lied to myself so long about this situation that I don't even know the whole truth of it anymore, so I'll tell it as best as I can uh, pull the memory of it. And I was holding him, and again, 
I've never, like, to say this stuff is just bizarre for me, but um, I could communicate with Tommy. Obviously, I couldn't speak to him. He's six months old-ish. And, uh, but I had a conversation with him. And he was going to die. And he was telling me this. Obviously, not through his words. And his parents, he was asking me to help them prepare, like to take it as a learning experience, not as to hate God, to hate the world, to hate, to help them through it. Well, I was seven years old. So all I did was turn and say to my mother, like this was after, this is, let me like explain the situation actually before. It was a Sunday afternoon after church, soup and sandwiches at our house with congregation of the church. So celebrating this baby and God and everything else, which is a negative for me, that word. Um, and anyway, I uh, turned to my mom and the parents weren't that far away and I said, oh, mom, Tommy's gonna die. Not really thinking it was a horrible thing to say because he wanted me to tell them that and to help them and to prepare them for it as just whatever it was supposed to be. <laughs> my mom didn't receive that information very well. And my, the parents heard it, but then asked, excuse me, like, what did you say? And my mom made sure I never said it again. And they denied ever hearing it. And sure enough, Tommy died. Um, I don't know timelines. Again, I was seven. I never even was told he died. I just heard it through the church. Um, and uh, community, like through, I can't even remember exactly when and how I heard it. I think I denied hearing it even. Uh, to me, he's still alive. But as far as I'm concerned, Tommy's, my connection to Tommy or Tommy's soul or whatever, never left that day, me. Um, and I, he's been bugging me for so many years. to just listen to him or connect with him and it's just so loud now, not just him but so many and it's not just souls, it's you know at the mall, at the Callaway Park like in Calgary that's where I live right now with my kids like just watching and feeling the pain it's so loud I can't deal like deny it anymore I agree well then what am I doing up here <laughs> what's it going to take for you to stop denying it is the question you keep getting this message from the whole universe You're getting it from me too if I had a way for you to shut this off, I would tell you I tried for years. Yeah, I've done a lot of things to shut it off. Well, it doesn't really work long term, does it? No. It didn't work for me either. And I don't, I want, uh, I want to feel loved again or be loved or love. To be loved, you have to step into what you're meant for. Do you see that? I'm starting to, I guess. Otherwise, people love a shell. 
Or don't. <laughs> or don't. <laughs> so what's it going to take? I was five. I was living in a Mormon community. In kindergarten, I stepped up in class in a Mormon community, and I said, I don't think God is everything. I think God is nothing. Then I proceeded to look at the teacher of the class, and I said, your father wants to talk to you. And I had a whole conversation with her from her dead father. I ended up getting sent to the principal's office. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. <laughs> what part of this world it actually is ready for you, but what part of this world is not ready for you can you not get? This is why you're in pain. Yeah, it's becoming louder. and um, Every time I try to... It's not going to stop. Yeah. I think it will become more of a skill, but it will not be more quiet. So where do you, like, obviously I'm here, but beyond this, where do I find help, like, or not help, I guess, but to be able to, like all this stuff, I don't get any of it. Like, I don't. You get all of it. You already know it all. I know. <laughs> you may no. not know the terminology. Yeah. What it is is that you've got to get outside the box enough to do things like this. You just you keep meeting people who are already on this side of the fence. And you'll be meeting people like myself who already know about what you're going through and also how to give you techniques to deal with it. Okay. But we're going to say things that are going to make it so you have to change the way you live. I'm ready for that. You have to be impeccable with diet. I'm pretty close. You have a very sensitive system. Yeah, I realized It that. has to be treated as such. And I do it at times, but then it opens me up. Yep. And I don't want sometimes don't want to. <laughs> I toyed with that for years while I was on the sports teams. Went back, I don't want this right now. I need to race, right? Right. They're like, but you're in the room with them. Why can't you just talk for me? Yeah. 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 Okay. At a certain point, it's just you just got to jump ship. You got to be like, you know what? This is obviously the life I've meant for. I'm just going to do it. So maybe it's the day you decide to put up a flyer and say, just come see me for intuitive readings or whatever that, you want to call ain't it. Gonna happen. <laughs> Remember, you said not going to happen. Never say never. Never is a dangerous word to use. You can't come down with these kinds of gifts and not use them. Do you see that? No. Oh, I'm serious. Okay. This goes for everybody else, by the way, too. Your gifts are never squandered by this universe. I mean, never squandered. You will always be put in the position where somebody needs exactly what you have to give. They may need it, but... You'll use them. <laughs> okay. You've been doing it already. Yeah, I know, but I keep denying or saying it wasn't that. Or... You're pulling my energy now. Did you feel yourself shift? Yeah. Why'd you do that? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't get it. Like, I honest, I don't understand. I don't 
Like, I get it. Like, I know. Okay, yeah, but. Um, I know. I don't know what you're doing, but. <laughs> you just haven't really come across people who play this game with you. Yeah, but I don't. I don't do it consciously. I don't know what That's I'm what doing. I want to change. When it becomes conscious is when you finally have control and you're not feeling as out of control as you feel right now. So, okay. When I was doing what apparently I'm doing, yeah. was I actually helping or was I taking for myself? No, well, you thought you were helping, but yeah. it's your way of getting back your power. So it was for myself. Well, kind of both, but it's also helping too. But yeah. Yeah. I You're trying to take back the pain. I'm not going to let you. <laughs> okay. There's enough out there for me that I can get. <laughs> that I could get it back. Yeah, I can feel that now. I what feel. do you need punishment for? Ooh, that one resonates with the whole audience. I want you to ask yourselves that. The minute I asked that, I was like, mm. <laughs> what do you feel like you need punishment for? See, if we need punishment for something, we're trying to keep ourselves good. Yeah, I've been wrestling with good and evil, um, heaven, hell, all that biblical stuff. Um, I guess I, deep down, feel like I actually know, I'm going to correct that, because in my mind, in my brain, I've been told what I've done is evil through my upbringing, like through church and the Bible. And and if you've done evil, then what do you do to get rid of it? Uh, suffer. <laughs> you see, this is the problem. When we've got something we can't get rid of and we're in so much pain, it kills us. The first question we have to ask ourselves is, why do I need this? It must be serving some function. Well, it's a good way to hide, too. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody sees me for what I am when I'm covered in darkness. Almost no one. Almost no one. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, it's a painful story you've got going. Oh, it's a fun one. I want you to practice living from the heart. Do you know what I mean when I say that? I do. If you've brought your consciousness, like right now when you're talking to me, you can kind of feel yourself in your head. I want you to literally imagine shifting that right down to your heart space. That's where I want you to talk to me mm -hmm. from and everyone. I can, but it's, I know how. Like, but Why don't you do it then? Um, I feel like I'm dealing with a very evolved person who's got his feet planted in the soil. A witch? You've got your feet planted. Um... This is stubbornness. Yeah. Why? Um, and we all thought you I were so know. sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Quite honestly, it's... I'm scared. Of 
This is good. What are you scared of? Um, I've felt love once in my life. And it wasn't that long ago. Oh, I've never talked about this kind of stuff. I opened up. I don't know. I can do it anytime. I don't know. Like to me, people, they talk about meditation and going into these things. I can be driving down the road I know. and do it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And I try, obviously, not to do it. Like, I fight more. Not, I meditate not to meditate. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that funny. <laughs> um, so I was driving down the road, and I love it when it rains. Like, first starts to rain, it just... Of course, I live in Alberta, but... I didn't only live in Alberta, I've lived in Victoria, and I was born on the St. Lawrence River, so water for me is, I know I need to be in that element, but it started to rain and I was driving, and I felt so much despair, like so much lack of, I just didn't care anymore. Um, I just gave in completely in that moment, and opened up while I was driving down the highway and I could feel the water I could feel the trees I felt mother earth or however whatever it is um, and it was a feminine energy for me um, and she allowed me to feel loved for the first time <laughs> and it scared the shit out of me because the only point in my life where I ever had anything close to that it keep it would get taken away or was taken away yep. so if I stay in control of not feeling that, yes. then it won't be taken away. Exactly. Is it worth it? Um, it's not going so good, no. <laughs> okay. Sometimes you just got to be risky as hell. Which is funny because I really thought I was a pretty risky adventurous type of guy, but apparently not so much in some ways, but... We'll hold on to pain like crazy to avoid loss. This is, any of you who deal with chronic disappointment, this is what you're trying to do. If you deal with chronic disappointment or chronic holding on to pain, what you're trying to do is to make it so that you don't feel the fall. And it's a genius strategy until the pain becomes so much that you're ready to off yourself. Mm -hmm. And you realize that you can't actually experience the reasons to even be here on Earth. Yeah.
But what would it take for you? To decide? Yeah. See, with you, it's not about teaching you how to do it. It's just a decision. I don't know if I can blame that there's no teachers out there, then I... <laughs> uh, what would it take? Well, I have a connection, you know. What, what could you connect to safely to start the practice? <laughs> Besides despair and negativity? Yeah, what positive thing could you practice with? This is something I want you guys to ask yourself too, if you've got this pain attachment. What would be the safest thing for me to practice this with, letting the positive in? It might not be another person, it might be an animal, it might be a plant. I could get a dog. <laughs> Genius. I've been, it's funny too, because I've been going to all these animal rescue places and I just can't seem to leave with one. And I suspect that will change now. Well, and I did rescue one. I got it off a kill order, and then it wasn't allowed to come with me. It had to go to a professional dog handler. Because? was going to train the dog out of it. But because you didn't change this. Okay. I think you're at a point where you're sick of padding yourself with pain. Yeah. That's for sure but I'm still afraid to feel no pain <laughs> or love. Yeah, because you might lose it. Yeah. Oh, that's what I'm afraid of too. Hmm. Um, going crazy, like crazy. Um, <laughs> as to function, like to actually um, to do very much of anything sometimes is so hard like to stay focused or to be like I don't know well you said you know what I'm talking about so oh, you can I elaborate like, I created you... a community because of it oh, okay that's what I did yeah I'm by myself on that yeah that's one. not gonna work what's that? that's not gonna work okay okay It was a real smart decision on my part to create a community because of that. Because yeah. on the days where I just need to do what I'm doing, there are other people to do that other stuff for me, and they want to. You don't have to become like an evil dictator. Me? There are people <laughs> out there in the world that want to love you. There are people out there who actually feel good when you receive from them. So if they make you breakfast in the morning, that feels good to them. Okay, I'll take your word on that. I'm surrounded by them, but what do you think I had to do first? Well, probably not tell them that you got it, or <laughs> be vulnerable, and you think you that got too, it. Yes, but I also had to start doing my work. Oh, okay. It's like with, it's like the the universe sort of knocks on the door really hard, right? And you deny it for years and years and years, and then eventually you're like, all right, fine, I'll let it in. And the second you do that, the universe sort of also lines up all the opportunities that you. You know, for the things you need. It's like, oh good, now that you've accepted your role, here's this gift and this gift and this gift and this one. Well, oh, and this abundance. I've sort of had that happen in the past and I shut it down. Like, 
You want it now, trust me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been afraid. Oh, that's actually another. I've been afraid of. That's actually probably this is more. Um, anyway, when I was told this, like whatever, is bad um, or evil or whatever, I've been afraid to, okay, this is how I felt as a kid, not like after seven, after that incident. And there's been much other things. Like, I mean, we've all have our own story, whatever, and I'm sure it's all pretty much the same, but um, as a kid and that. But um, I felt like there was an evil inside me. And so I've been afraid of that evil my whole life, of this power, or that I felt, not this, like my version of it in my mind, of this power that I knew I had to be able to create or manufacture or whatever um, I wanted. But with that became like the fear of the flip side to that, like because I can manifest great yes. darkness yep. for... <laughs> You're supposed to me on a bad day. Part of, yeah. yeah, I'm feeling that. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, it's, seriously, it's like not funny, but it is funny. Yeah. If I get myself out of alignment for three seconds, it's like, oh, and the cat got killed, and the house burnt down. And, yeah, it's just like, a, yeah. it's awful. But also, I've wanted that. Like, I've created that. But, so I guess what I'm like asking is, or, um, well, what I'm figuring out while I'm talking <laughs> is uh, I don't have to be afraid of, like, this isn't an evil. Hell no. Okay. <laughs> um, we have a saying, though, the Chinese have a saying which I love which is, for something to heal, it must also be able to poison. And if something can't poison, it can't heal. Well, I'm worried about that, like... I'm not worried about it. Okay. I'll take that. You're way too much of an empath. See, people like you who have like wide open abilities, right? You're always given the ability to feel other people. Mm -hmm. Why? Because you can't damage them, can you? I don't know, I get blamed for damaging them. But you, you, really, you just freaked out thinking you killed an ant. Well, <laughs> I don't know where it went, I might have. Um, yeah. No, we all watched you. Hmm? It's not evil. Okay. Thank you. I know exactly why you found me though. <laughs> I don't, because it was, I don't know how. How like, long ago did you find out about me? Uh, not long. Like, what's not long? <laughs> uh, maybe a few weeks. Do you know anything about my past? Uh, I know you're born in the Mormon community, and <laughs> uh, what else did you say? <laughs> I do, I've, uh, no. <laughs> 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 Do you know what I love the most is that pretty much everybody, well, not you know, sort of most of everybody in this room is like, 
watching you up here on stage with me saying what you're saying, and they get it while you're here right now. Well, that's great. Would you like me to tell you? Uh, sure. Okay. I was born super extrasensory, like excessively, to the degree that my parents did not even know what to do with me. Like I'm covering my ears when I was younger, saying I could hear what everybody's thinking. I could hear the sound of cotton balls. I'm watching colors on everybody, talking to dead people. And in this Mormon community, I was seen as a nightmare. Why? Because these gifts, these gifts of as priesthood, a devil, like as a negative. they only belong to men. Yeah. So if you're a woman, it's well, a gift okay. of the devil. So I got inducted by a cult, and I was ritualistically tortured for 13 years because of this. They believed that there was a demon that had possessed my body. Mm -hmm. They tried to basically torture it out of me for 13 years. And I'm covered in scars because of it. That's the, I see you felt it. Yeah. I understand exactly what it's like to have people tell you you're evil for these gifts. And I got away. And after trying to commit suicide multiple times, because this is a nightmare hell trying to live with this, mm -hmm. I decided to commit to it. And it's the best decision I ever made. But it was also the scariest one. I wanted nothing to do with this. As far as I was concerned, this is what destroyed my life. Mm -hmm. Lo and behold, it's my greatest pleasure. <laughs> yeah. You don't know who's swimming naked till the tide come in. Fuck where your hoes at? Where your roads at? Where your backbone, nigga? Where your coat at? Where your down since day one, real bros at? Where them stories that you telling unfold at? Where your heart, nigga? Where your soul at? We got old school ways we expose that. Ain't no guarantees, but you know that Niggas die every day, can't control that King Griffey throwback, nigga had to go left Must've popped 28 times cause it's four left If it's about mine, ain't a nigga that I won't check Run through your hardest homeboy, you could go next 85 cut dog, hustle at the Rolex Chain on my white tee, now you see the progress Stacked every chip on myself, time to collect Dog money in, just imagine what I gross back Fuck where your hoes at, or where your roads at Where your backbone, nigga, where your coat at where your down since day one, real bros at? Where them stories that you telling unfold at? Where your heart, nigga? Where your soul at? We got old school ways we expose at. Ain't no guarantees, but you know that. Niggas die every day, can't control that. That's why I call my thing the marathon, because yeah. I, I'm not gonna lie and, and, and portray um, this ultimate poise like I've been, had it figured out. Nah, I just didn't quit. That's the only distinguishing quality from me and probably whoever else going through this or went through this or is gonna go through this is that I ain't quit. I went through every emotion. I went through every emotion with trying to pursue what I'm doing. You know what I mean? And I think that what what gonna separate whoever's gonna try to go for something is that you ain't gonna quit. Unless, you know, you're gonna really take the stance if I'm gonna die behind what I'm, what I'm getting at right now. Fuck where your hoes at, where your roads at. Where your backbone, nigga, where your coat at? Where your down since day one, real bros at? Where them stories that you telling unfold at? Where your heart, nigga? Where your soul at? We got old school ways we expose at. Ain't no guarantees, but you know that. Niggas die every day, can't control that. I think that our reaction to being disrespected, we gotta, we gotta, we have to reassess how we react. You know what I mean? I think that we been known as, as hip-hop to make songs and that's a part of it and then we gotta we gotta go a step further because i think that it's like a disease in your body once you start 
giving it a treatment, it'll get immune to the treatment. Mm -hmm. And you gotta try something else to kill that disease. So I think protest music is important. I think that YG was a genius. Fuck where your hoes at, where your roads at, where your backbone, nigga, where your coat at, where your down since day one, real bros at, where them stories that you telling unfold at, where your heart, nigga, where your soul at, we got old school ways we expose that, ain't no guarantees, but you know that, niggas die every day, can't control that.